Hopefully you have your Bibles open. We're going to be in the 14th chapter of the Gospel of John. Every person on the planet has the power to choose to believe in God and to accept his Son as Savior. And Father, I pause to pray for your people that on this day you will open up spiritual eyes and spiritual ears, Father, that we may hear directly from heaven today. Thank you, Father, for your truth shall go forth in Jesus' name. Amen. Say, I am an influencer. Whether we know it or not, we are influencers. We influence people with how we act and what we say and in what we do. But before we can go out and influence the world, we must start at home. Say amen. And I'm not talking about 3331 Cleveland Avenue. I'm talking about start at home with myself. I have to make sure I have examined myself. Make sure I have the right attitude. Make sure my speech is pleasing unto God and make sure my actions line up with his word. You are wasting your time asking God to do something for you if you're going against his will. I'll get into that in a few weeks. What a blessing it is for God to work through us to be influencers. Because we have to remember this body of Christ, God could have chose anybody. Raise your, raise your good hand. I mean, you got a good hand, right or left. Whichever one is your best hand. Do you have a favorite? I got two. Put your hand on yourself. Remind yourself. And remind the person next to you, God chose me. And, and, and the wonderful thing, Jefferson, about God, he chose me before the foundation of the world. So don't take it for granted that God has allowed you to see this day. It was the mission of our Savior 2,000 years ago to influence the world to believe in God and to accept him as Savior of all humanity. And as a Christian, as a believer, I said this a few minutes ago to pastors and to churches, but we are not going to compromise our beliefs just to fit in with the world's global agenda. The world will say everything's fine as it jumps over the cliff. Do not sit on the sidelines as a believer. We need to make sure that we're busy witnessing not only in what we say, but in what we do. Maturing Christians, I'm glad to see the families who are here today. Don't take it for granted to plant seeds in your family and your grandkids. Don't take that for granted because the seeds you plant today, they will bring forth a harvest tomorrow. I love how one of the main themes of our church is BCI. That's building, changing, and inspiring lives. Because on this Christian journey, God does not want you to remain the same. 
Two years ago, I was one way, but thank God I'm another way today. I hope that you have grown in two years. I hope your faith has increased in two years. I hope that God is speaking to you clearer these past two years. Because God is constantly reshaping and molding us to the creation he designed us to be. Get your hand out. Because everything, come on, help me do it. I'm not talking about price chopper. Everything we go through, the good, the bad, the ugly, the challenging, everything we go through is all necessary to get us to where God wants us to be. Look at somebody, say, I'm going somewhere. God wants us to grow. God wants us to change. And we ought to be hearing less noise and more of God. And I don't apologize for this. If you're not hearing God's voice today, if you're not seeing the hand of God in your life, you need to take a self-examination. If every day is not going well for you, take a self-examination. If the devil's been holding you bondage day after day, week after week, month after month, some people year after year, take a self-examination. Here in our text, even though Jesus was facing death in a very few days, he cared enough to make sure his followers were ready for what was about to come. And as pastor, as shepherd of Emmanuel Church, as his community pastor, I have to tell you the truth. We have to get ready for what's about to come. Gospel of John, chapter 14. Pastor's going to back up just a little bit because I'm going somewhere. I've already prayed. Listen to what God has to say. In verse 1. Jesus, the Savior of the world, reminds us, do not let your hearts be troubled. Now, how many of you have been trying to hold on to that last couple of weeks? I've been telling myself, I'm not going to let my heart be troubled. The devil tried this, 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 but I'm not going to let my heart be troubled. Now, look at Pastor. Put your... Put your paper down, put your pen down for a minute, bless you on the notes, get your hands out. I told you the Bible says encourage yourself, remind yourself, put your hands up to your ears where you can hear your own voice. Say, I am not going to allow my heart to be troubled. Give God some praise. Come on, give him some praise. I'm not going to do it. And I'm not just saying that just for Sunday. I want that all week long. When little things come up, I'm not going to let my heart be troubled. I believe in God. Jesus said, look at verse 1. Jesus said, believe in God, but believe also in me. Look at verse 2. Jesus said that in his father's house, in my father's house, 
the house already exists. And preachers for years, and even in seminary for years, have not gotten this correct. It was argued in seminary that Jesus is not going to return, hear me now, until after he prepares the Father's house. But that's not the truth. Look at your Bible. In verse 2, Jesus said, in my Father's house, there are. It already exists. There are many places, many apartments, many mansions that he was going away to prepare a place for his followers. Look at verse 3. Let's get into the word. Stay with me. I only have one verse today, but this is really deep. Verse 3, Jesus is talking in the upper room with his disciples, and look what he said. He said, and when I go, if I go and make ready a place for you, I will come back again, and I will take you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. What a blessing it is to know that despite how the devil talks about how the Lord doesn't care, we know the devil is a what? And we found out a few weeks ago that it's impossible for Jesus to lie. So whatever Jesus says, he has to keep his word. Say amen. It's time for maturing Christians to stand strong. When Jesus, who is God, makes a promise, it will come to pass. How many of you actually know this, that God will answer prayers? The last two years, has God answered your prayers? Has God been keeping you? Has God made a way for you? Have God done, listen, listen, has God done some things for you you haven't told nobody? Look around you. Say, I know he'll answer. In plain words, whatever the Lord says he will do, he will do just what he, amen, just what he said because he always keeps his word. The departure of Jesus, he says, I have to go away to prepare a place. But this was going to benefit not only his disciples, but this also benefits all of us who are his followers. And I want to encourage you, if you're a follower of Christ in 2022, I told you a few months ago, come out of the closet. Everybody is standing up. Oh, I don't get in trouble. Advertising everything else. Why can't believers advertise that I'm saved? Anybody still have your bracelet on? Wow. I I took my bracelet off yesterday, Sister Kim, and I felt so naked because we've been wearing them for two months. I had to put it back on. Listen, God wants to use us to tell the world he's still on the throne. He hasn't lost any power. And and some of us need to declare this because we haven't said this in a long time. Tell your neighbor, I'm serious too. Say, look at me. I'm serious. Say, look at me. If you want to see a miracle, 
I want you to know you're looking at one. Somebody give God some praise in this house. It's a miracle I'm still alive. It's a miracle God delivered me from sickness and disease and from poverty. We got some walking, talking miracles. I said we have some walking, talking miracles. God will make a way when there is no way. I'm serious, man. Look at somebody we haven't said it in a while. Tell them, look at them. Say, you don't know what I've been through. You, 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 don't, you, you don't know what I've been through. And nobody but God. I said, nobody but God. Uh, can, can I? It wasn't the stimulus check. It was God. It wasn't my knowledge. It was God. It wasn't the doctor. It was. Why don't you praise him? Why don't you praise him? Jesus knew the disciples were getting sad and upset because he said he was going away to prepare a place for them and that he would come again. It is impossible for God to lie just because, just because some churches refuse to talk about the second coming of our Savior doesn't mean he's not coming back. God predicted that he was going to send Jesus. He was born of a virgin, just like the Bible said. The scripture deals with what we call the rapture. A lot of people get scary and spooky and turn into Scooby-Doo <laughs> or Casper the Ghost when you talk about the rapture. When Christ comes back after his church, he's coming back, but he's not coming down to the ground. The Bible says, how many of you are saved, first of all? I don't want to assume. The Bible says when Christ returns, that we'll be caught up. The church will be caught up to meet him. It didn't say on the spaceship. No, come on. The Bible says we'll be caught up to meet him in the air. And after the church is taken up. Now, can't you imagine if, if Christ was to return the next couple of weeks? Man, what a sight that's going to be. One day when our Savior returns, we'll be caught up to meet him. And some of those people are going to be down on the ground saying, Lord, Lord. And be a good Christian. Reach down. Tell him, say, repent. Maybe he'll forgive you at the last second. Repent. 
Because one day the Lord is going to return. If, if we don't die, the Lord is going to return. And I'm not going to lie to the church and say, oh, I don't know why he put that in the Bible. It's in the Bible because it's true. Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. It didn't take him 2,000 years to prepare a place. And theologians who have taught that have taught that wrong. The Lord said to me, really, I'm God. I'm the creator of the universe. I'm the creator of galaxies. I have planets made out of diamonds. I, I, when you get to heaven, the streets are made of gold. You don't need any currency. God says, do you recognize who I am? Omnipresent at all times. We'll be caught up to meet him in the air, and we will experience a great celebration one day that the Bible calls a marriage supper. And I told you a few weeks ago, there's a difference once we get to heaven. Amen. We receive the same greeting, but then there's time for our rewards. Christ came to earth. Write this down. First of all, he came as a child. His second return will be caught up to meet him in the air. But the third time he returns, Sister Petra, he's actually coming down to the ground. And when he comes down to the ground, the Bible says he's going to have a sword with him. And our Savior will rule here on this planet for 1,000 years and establish his kingdom. Look very close at verse 3. Jesus said, I will come back again and I will take you to myself. Jesus is coming back again, and the way that events are taking place every day, when you turn on the news, turn on social media, and I told you, we need to stop saying, look at the world events. Look at the world event happening over here. Look at the world event happening over there. Look at what's happening in this country. Look what happened in that country. All of this stuff that is taking place is really called kingdom events. Jesus is coming back again. Say it out loud. Jesus, Jesus is coming back again. Now, the thing we have to watch is, is trying to give a day or a time. I talked to you about this a while back. The Bible says no man knows the day. Not even the angels in heaven know when God's going to tell Jesus to return. But one day, He's going to return. And if he wants to return today, the question is, are you ready? God has given us an opportunity each day to accept his son as, as savior. And if you strayed away from God, if you're not on the right path, repent of your sins and come back to God's family. Some people say, well, Pastor, when you talk about heaven, I get sad. Listen, there's only one way to get into heaven. The only way to get into heaven, well, I guess two ways. One way is to die. The next way is to be transformed if the Lord was to return. 
but you have to die in order to get to heaven. But listen, when you die, heaven is not the only place you can go. <laughs> There's another place. We call it down yonder or downstairs. I don't care if you call it Hades. I don't care if you call it hell. I don't care what you call it, but it's the dwelling place where the devil's going to be and all the fallen angels who are demons. So you have to make up your mind now, do I want to spend eternity in heaven with God? In his presence? In his glory? After all Christ went to prepare for me? Or do I want to spend eternity in hell? Suffering. Miserable. Why would you want to go to hell? Some people are purposely going to hell simply because they refuse to accept Jesus as their Savior. Jesus was not just a prophet. Jesus was not just a preacher or a rabbi. The Bible says that Jesus was the son of the living God, and he is the only sacrifice that could save humanity. Say amen. Heaven is not a scary place. It's no need to fear. It's going to be an exciting time because Jesus said, look at your Bible, Jesus said that where I am, look at verse 3, where I am going to be shortly. Where I am going to be for eternity, there you will be also. And not only will we be with Jesus, not only will we be with God, but we'll literally be in the same state as Jesus. And I talked about this a few weeks ago. In our heavenly bodies, there's no more aches and pains. There's, there's no more taking medication. There's no more physical therapy needed. Amen. I told you, if you take an inhaler, you don't need an inhaler in heaven. You don't have to make a doctor's visit. You don't need an insurance card. You don't need AAA. You don't need AA. You don't need AARP. All you need is J-E-S. We will not only be in heaven, but we'll be in our perfect state. We will not only be there as spectators of his glory. That's what happened with Peter, James, and John, and I'll get there in a few weeks. I'm trying to set you up. Peter, James, and John were blessed to be on the mountain with Christ and see his glory, but they were there as spectators. But one day when we go to be with the Lord, we're not going to be spectators. We'll be participators. We'll be able to participate in all that he has prepared for us. Jesus said, in my Father's house, there are, I'm going to pause here, many rooms. How many of you live in a house or an apartment? Amen. Your house it's not full of bedrooms. You generally have a kitchen, living room, dining room, bathroom, say amen. 
Uh, what other kind of room do you have? Garage? Help me out. What other kind of room do you have in your house? Some people have a prayer room, living room, office, basement. Brother said, man cave. I'm digging that. You have different rooms within your house, and each room has a different purpose. In the Father's house, it's not full of just 400 billion bedrooms. I'm trying to tell them, Lord. In the Father's house, Sister ESJ, there's different rooms that's going to give you pleasure. There's different rooms that are going to make you smile. If you like to paint, there's going to be all kind of colors God's going to bless you to paint with. And I'm saying this as a joke, but you'll get what I'm saying. If you like to play Super Nintendo, there's all kind of games in the Father's house. In my Father's house are many rooms, many rooms with different functions. Don't think we're going to go to heaven and we're just going to just float around like ghosts. No, there's going to be stuff to do. The Bible says there are 12 gates to the city of heaven. Three gates in the east. Three gates. Three gates in the north. Three gates in the south. And that these gates were never closed. Why were the gates never closed? Because you're going to be getting up every day going to work. It's called the city of heaven. And the Father's house is within the city. Let me back all the way up to the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And God created mankind. And God took man and placed him in a garden. And the garden was called Eden. But the garden was actually in what's called the land of Eden. When we get to heaven, God is going to place us in such a glorious state. Every desire you can think of that is pleasing and acceptable unto God will be available unto us. Can you imagine, because I'm still working on this, I went to bed and woke up, deacon, and then my hip is hurting. And I'm thinking, I didn't do nothing but lay down. Why is this hurting? Then I get up out of the bed, Sister Donna, and walk towards the bathroom. Then I get a pain in my neck. All I did was turn my neck. Can you imagine not having any pain? And all the young people saying, I'm 15, I ain't got no pain. Keep living. I never thought I'd see the day. I used to hear people say, I threw my back out. I'd be like, oh, yeah, whatever. You don't have to be doing nothing for pain to hit you. Imagine a day where there is no more pain. Imagine a day where there is no more sorrow. Imagine a day where there's nothing but joy. I mean, the Bible calls it unspeakable. Imagine a day where you don't have to deal with any more attitudes. I hope I don't get in trouble. Imagine a day where you don't have to deal with any more Karens. I know that was Gucci. Thank you. Gucci, 
Google it. We will not be there as spectators. When we get to heaven, we'll be participators. And Jesus would not prepare this magnificent place and leave it empty. That's not what God does. The Bible says God is the author and the finisher of all things. If Jesus has prepared a place for us, he will also prepare us to live in this glorious place. Now, while we're here on earth now, God wants you to live as long as you can. Live 80 years, live 90 years, live 100 years, but don't forget that God is preparing a place for his people. In due time, all of us will possess this land. Now, many of us have heard the story, and I hope to get here very soon, about the rich man and the beggar named Lazarus. Write this down. It's found in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 16. Read it when you have an opportunity, and God will enlighten you with the truth. It says that the rich man, when he opened his eyes, see, the rich man had an issue. He was so rich, he could have fed the poor, but he chose not to. Lazarus would go every day begging for scraps, but the rich man chose not to give him anything. So the Bible says, look at Pastor, don't miss this, that the rich man opened his eyes when he died, and when he opened his eyes, he opened them in Hades or in hell. And the rich man was conscious enough to realize that he was being tormented. He said, it's hot. I'm being tormented, and I need to get the heck out of this place. But once you go to hell, there is no return trip. Once you go to hell, it's permanent. But the Bible says that this beggar named Lazarus, when he opened his eyes, he opened his eyes in the bosom of Abraham or what we call paradise, or you could even say heaven. So you have the beggar in heaven and the rich man in hell. And the rich man, he had an opportunity to do good while he was on earth, but he chose to do evil. Point at your neighbor, point at him, say you have a choice to make. And don't say, I'm going to wait for a special occasion before I really give my life to Christ. You don't know what's going to happen on tomorrow. You don't know what's going to happen this afternoon. And in the story of the rich man and Lazarus, the Bible says that when Lazarus died, that he was carried by the angels into the bosom of Abraham. Whether you know it or not, all of us, especially those of us who are saved, who have rededicated our lives to Christ, who have committed our lives to Christ, the Bible says that we have ministering angels who are available to us. But one thing we don't talk about is when we come down to the last minutes of our lives, the Bible makes it clear that angels come after us and they usher us into the presence of of Almighty God. And in studying this lesson, Deacon, I was looking at why does Jesus not come after us individually? Because the Bible makes it clear what Jesus is doing right now. 
He's not still preparing a place. That's already done. The Bible says that Jesus, right now, this very second, is on the right hand of his Father, interceding, looking out for you and I. Clap your hands because Jesus right now is looking out for you. No, clap your hands because he's really looking out. He's really looking out for you. And those ministering angels who are watching over you when you were in that car wreck, you didn't die. He's really looking out for you. And I have to say this. I should have been dead probably, when did I get carjacked? 25 years ago? How many of you know, and I'm very serious, how many of you know you should have been dead a long time ago? No, look around this room. Look how good God is. God is a keeper. I said God is a... He's looking out for us. He has redeemed us from the curse. Say, I've been redeemed. Say it again, I have been redeemed. Don't let the enemy tell you what you're not worthy of. We're worthy because we've been Therefore, salvation is already in our souls, and we wait one day for the salvation of our bodies. And the Bible says this will take place when the Lord comes back for his church. This was a great secret that the Lord was holding on to for three and a half years. He wanted to tell his disciples that he was leaving, but he was just kind of waiting for the right moment because Jesus knew they would be sad. You know how it is, you know, it's kind of tough sometimes. Some people, let me say it this way, some people you're glad to see them when they come. <laughs> I know you might be sitting next to a relative, so I got to watch it. But some people you're also glad to see them when they go. But they were getting sad because for the first time, Jesus was talking about leaving them. And they were saying, hey, why are you talking about leaving? We thought we were just getting started. But even in the three years, even in the two years we've been dealing with COVID, God has already equipped you to carry on. God could have chosen anyone to be alive today. Is today July the 3rd, 2021. 2020, 2022, God could have chose anyone, anyone, but God chose you. Say, I am special. No, see, some people, some of y'all take that for granted. I am special. I am unique. I am chosen. I am set apart. I am unique. I am special to my heavenly father. Come on, give God some praise. So go with me. So here are the disciples up in the upper room and Jesus breaks this news to them that he's leaving and they become sad. He wasn't leaving because he was angry with them. He, he wasn't going away because he was he was going away because he had completed the mission 
his father has sent him on. Every task that God gives us is not going to be easy. I don't know why, minister. It's, it seems like sometimes God places us in a place, and I'm saying, Lord, I've been here long enough. Isn't it time to move on? When it's time to move, God will move you. But sometimes God will allow you to stay in a certain place. I don't want to get in trouble. I don't care how much your wife or your husband nags you. I don't care how you nag your kids until God places in them, it's time to move. It's time to make a change. Nothing is going to change. Because God allows us to stay in a place for us to realize, I can't do this on my own. I've tried A, B, C, D, E, F, G. I've tried everything. And listen, the way to get unstuck is not to hold on, it's to... Because when you let go and let God, the Bible says, in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. Not social media. Not the latest fad. Not the latest happenings. It says God will direct your path. So here Jesus is trying to set the disciples up, letting them know, I'm going to leave you, but I'm leading you somewhere. I love how Jesus says, look at verse 3. In the middle of verse 3, he says, I will come back and take you to be with me. And over 2,000 years ago, I wish I had time, the disciples were not expecting Jesus to be gone for 2,000 years. If you study the four Gospels, if you read in the book of Acts, if you read the writings of Peter, if you read the writings of John, they expected Jesus to come back in a few days. And I want to say this to pastors, and I want to say this to evangelists and prophets. Stop trying, and I want to say this to YouTube. Please stop trying to prophesy the day, the time, and the hour that Christ is going to return. The Bible says no one knows the time, but to make sure that you are ready. Jesus didn't say that I'm going away and I'm not going to return. He says I'm coming back again. And Jesus loves us so much, he would never be satisfied until every single one of his redeemed is in the Father's house. I can visualize the disciples sitting around trying to process all this Jesus is saying. He just instituted communion. He just talked to them. I told you a few uh, minutes ago, he talked to them about someone would betray him. He told Peter, you're going to deny me. Jesus laid a whole bunch of stuff on them all in one evening. But God doesn't put more upon us than we can bear. Sometimes we say, Lord, why are you putting all this on me? Why are you allowing all this to happen? Because he wants to build us up. He wants to make us strong. 
He doesn't allow us to go through things to tear us down. He doesn't allow us to go through trials and tribulations so other people can laugh at you. He allows us to go through certain things because he wants to build our character. He wants us to have honor. He wants us to have dominion. He wants us to have power and authority that he gave to Adam in the beginning. Wow. Thank you, Lord. Somebody say, I trust God today. We have a Savior. We have a God who loves us unconditionally. The Bible says that he loves us beyond measure because he knows our beginning. When you, when you first took your first breath, and some of y'all still crying, stop crying. <laughs> took your first breath and all through your life, God was watching you. God was watching and when we get ready to take our last breath, the Lord said, I'll send angels to usher you into my presence. God says, I will never leave you. That's why he can say it. I will never leave you, nor will I ever forsake you. That's why in the midnight hours, I don't care where you are, God is right there. And I don't know about you, but not only is God right there, God will speak to you. God will calm your spirit down. Instead of you getting angry about stuff, I told you, remind yourself, I'm not going to let my heart be troubled. I turn on the news and see this is happening, that's happening. This, I'm not going to let my heart be troubled. I believe in God. I trust in God. And he won't let me down. Say amen. Do pastor a favor. I want you to point at three people and tell them, come on at home. Do it in your own house. Say, God knows your future. Three people. Come on, say, God knows your future. God wants us to live our best life today. And not only live your best life for yourself. That's selfish, but live your best life so we can glorify God. The Bible says we're to live for God so much that other people will look at us and see, hey, there's something different about them. They talk the Christian talk, but somebody's actually trying to walk it. Say amen. You, you can't give God 20% and give the world 80%. Say amen. We must put God in his right place. And on this Freedom Celebration Day, we celebrate the fact that God has allowed us to come together and worship together. We celebrate the fact that God has allowed us to pray together. We celebrate the fact that despite of where our country is today, the possibility of greatness is still ahead in the future. Racism, hatred, beating up people because they don't look like you, taking away human rights. God is not pleased, but God wants us to be his representatives and let the world know, if you want to hate, I'm going to show you love. If you want to talk about me, I'm still going to show you love. 
If you want to criticize me, I'm still going to show you love. Because the Bible says that God is love. And we're to represent characteristics of our Heavenly Father and help spread love. We have enough hate. We have enough anger. We have enough people in turmoil. Uh, I got to say this, and I mean these words exactly. We have enough crazy drivers on the highway. Please slow down. What are you in such a hurry for? Heaven will be there. And if you're in a hurry, hell will be there too. Live your best life. Don't allow people to live your life for you. Stop giving people control over your life. God has given you life. And the Bible says, Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly that you might live life to the full. Look at somebody say, I'm going to live my life. If you want to live stressed out, if you want to live worried, if you want to live depressed, if you want to live anxious every day, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Live your life, but I'm going to trust God. I walk by what? I walk by faith and not by sight. Why don't you give God some praise in the house? Out of all the devil has thrown at you, you're still standing. After all the demons have tried to get you on, you're still standing. After all the devil throwing his darts at you, you still got victory. Because, Father, I trust you. Stand to your feet. Jesus says, I have to go, but I'm preparing a place for you that where I am, you may be also. Lift your hands to heaven. God has given us time to worship him and to represent him each and every day. If you've not been representing God, to the best of your ability, right where you're standing, right where you're watching, right where you're sitting, ask God to forgive you. Repent and hold your head up because he is a forgiving God. We want to represent him in everything that we do and in everything that we say. The disciples didn't know what to think that night in the upper room, they said, Lord, we have left all to follow you. We've left everything. We'll find out next week that when you leave or give up anything to follow Christ, the reward is so much greater than what you left behind. What God has allowed you to go through, lift your hands up. I'm speaking to your spirits now. Some people have had very challenging childhood. Some people have dealt with all kind of abuse and misuse in your home with others, with relatives, on your job, through hatred of any kind. Some people have been through the storm, through the rain. 
But out of all we have been through, it has all been necessary for God to mold you into the creation you are today. Lift those hands high. You are stronger than you think. That's why the devil cannot stop you. That's why the devil does not have control or victory over you. I declare in Jesus' name that God's protection and his anointing shall follow you all the days of your life and we should dwell in the presence of God forever. Clap your hands. I know you receive the word. God bless you. Listen to pastor. Make every effort to be a blessing to someone. Say a kind word. Do a good deed. And remember, everything we do here on earth, God is recording in heaven. And one day, Jesus is going to return. And what a glorious day that's going to be. Next Sunday, we'll go a little deeper and find out what the Lord had to say to his disciples. Get your hand out. This is what we're expecting this week. Love you. God bless you. Help pastor say it. Peace.